The following episode was recorded live on YouTube for Adulting.TV Live. Welcome to Adulting, a podcast where we want to adult every day. Download episodes at Adulting.TV. Welcome to Adulting.TV. I'm Harlan Landis. I'm here with Miranda Marquette, as usual. And our guest today is Jennifer Jackson. How are you, Jennifer? Hi, I'm doing well. Glad to be here. Well, tell me a little bit about ADLT 101. What is that? Okay, so ADLT 101 is um, very similar to Adulting TV. It's kind of a playoff of the world adulting that millennials have created to talk about some of, like, the really hard parts of life that nobody taught me or a, a lot of people in our generation in school. And so it's a kind of a playoff, like college ticker symbols of all the classes that I did take in school, like bio 101, chemistry 101, adulting 101. Like that would have been so nice to have on my schedule, but I didn't have it. And so I created it. It is a blog. And also I do different workshops at colleges, universities, high schools to kind of teach some of these things to students and young adults to help them prepare for life after college. So what, what would adulting 101 look like? Like what would be your, if the first day of the class, the overview, what would you be talking about? The first day of the class, I feel like would like just kind of alleviate all of the expectations. Like everything that you think is going to be so awesome when you're an adult, just forget about it. Just erase it. Like, oh, I'm going to be, when I graduate, I'm going to have so much freedom and everything's going to be awesome. Like just forget about, just erase it because that's usually not what happens. And so I would like spend the first class like debunking all the myths of adulthood. And then we'd be like, okay, here's the real deal. So we're going to talk about health insurance today and healthcare in general. What What is so important about having the right health insurance and how do you even go about that? So I talk about like about personal finance, which is always awesome, right? So budgeting, saving, paying off debt, all this stuff is cool. But health insurance and just insurance in general to me is really important because if you don't have like the, if you aren't prepared for the unexpected, then you could mess up everything that you've been doing thus far. So you can like break your arm tomorrow because you were outside like playing basketball with your friends. And now all of your perfect budgeting and saving is just messed up. It's really important to understand, you know, what you're getting because there's a lot of jargon, a lot of just words that I didn't know what they meant when I was like first First time I had to choose my health insurance and I was like 23. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. All these words, didn't know what any of them mean. And it's also like, it's really important to just be informed and before you actually need to use it. A lot of young people are healthy and aren't necessarily going to the doctor every day. But if you do have a crisis, it can mess you up and you want to make sure that like if something like that happened, then you're covered. I think a lot of people don't really think about, you know, the idea of having to need any sort of insurance, but health insurance, especially because like you said, like you're healthy, you don't think about this stuff. But I mean, like a year and a half ago, I fell down and broke my wrist. And like, I, I don't usually need to go to the doctor. I don't usually need to go to the hospital, but I ended up needing a surgery. and It cost $40,000. And if I didn't have health insurance, it would have been a complete nightmare kind of forget that, you know, anything like that, any sort of accident, any sort of major illness, you could end up in this financial, financially untenable situation. And so health insurance is just really vital as far as that's concerned. I definitely agree. So I'm completely understand. So when you first 
like we're signing up for health insurance. How did that go for you? Because <laughs> I mean, you said you didn't really understand a lot of the stuff. So I mean, did you end up in a, a terrible plan that you didn't understand? Or like, did you get lucky and you just you had time to figure it out? How did that go? The first time I had to select my own health insurance was when I, like I said, when I was 23, my parents were like, oh, you have a job. You're getting off my insurance. Like, what do you mean? (laughs) I know that you can stay to your 26, but you have to go. So I was like, I was like, oh, I'm an adult now. Like I have my own job. I'm about to pay for, I had to pay for all my bills. So I was like, okay, health insurance, here we go. And doing the onboarding process for my job, they were like, we onboarded to this company in like three days. And so it was not only here's what you're going to do in your job, but it was like, oh, here's what your 401k is. And here are these other benefits. And here is health. And it was kind of rushed. It was like a lot at one time. And so I had moved to a new city. I was like in buying a new new apartment. Like I was doing all these things. And on top of that, they were like, oh, yeah, make this decision about your health care, too. And I'm like. I don't know what I'm doing. And so I like went home and because I'm like an analytical person, I was just like, okay, I need to understand this. And I didn't feel comfortable at the time to like ask the people who were explaining it to me because I didn't want to seem stupid. I'm like, oh, I should know this. Everybody else in the room knows what they're doing, but I don't. So I was like, I'll just go home and Google it and figure it out myself. And so I went home and I was like, oh, there's all these options. It was like DMO and HMO and PPO. I was like, oh, I don't, I don't know what this means. And so I was Googling trying to figure it out. And then there were like different companies too. It was like Aetna and Cigna and Blue Cross Blue Sierra. And I was like, I don't know the difference. And so I literally called each one of these companies. And I think I was talking to them on the phone with them for like over an hour asking like, well, what if this happens? How does this work? Like because of just who I am. And so I ended up picking one that was, I believe was the best for me at the time, but it just took like a lot of upfront research and just like that time period of, from when I first graduated into starting my first job, which is, I, I approached everything like that. I was just like, oh, I need to find out all the information about buying a car, all the information about, you know, whatever I was doing at the time. And that's kind of how ADLT 101 even started just for me doing like crazy research on stuff and realizing like I have a degree, but I really don't know anything. Like, how do I not know all this stuff? Like every adult in the U.S. basically has that. Like, even if you don't have health care, like it's a part of your life, right? Like you you take care of yourself. And it's like, so why is there no, why aren't there better resources for me to figure this out if this is something that like, everybody's doing. So it was really frustrating. I was like, this shouldn't be so hard. Like this should be the easy part. I went to school already. So it was just like me, like kind of feeling that frustration and just kind of pushing through, like doing a lot of research. That's how I was able to like pick my first choice. So I think that, you know, one thing that's funny about this is that while you're sitting there and getting all this information from your job, thinking that, well, everyone else, you look around and it looks like everyone else has this all figured out and you're the only one with these questions. They're probably all thinking the same thing. Like, (laughs) everyone else has this all figured out. Well, what's wrong with me? How come I don't know this? And, you know, so nobody has it figured out, especially for their first job, especially if they've never had, they've been on their parents' health insurance. So I'm sure that you were not alone in that room and just being totally overwhelmed. Yeah, and I just I just didn't feel comfortable. Like I said, because it was like the managers and the HR there. I'm like, I this is my second day. Like, I should not be asking questions like this already. I should just get it together. So, I mean, I think it would be much more comforting if there were spaces where it's like, okay, you could feel more comfortable asking some of these questions. I just didn't feel that way when I first onboarded. And I guess some of it was like, my, I, I probably could have. It just didn't feel like, like nobody else asked the question. So I was like, mm, okay, because I shouldn't be asking questions. 
So what were some of those things that you found when you were calling these companies and asking them about PPOs and HMOs and what would happen in such and such a situation? Yeah, so I found out a lot of information. These acronyms, I'm, not, I'm really not real big on acronyms, but there are lots of acronyms in just adulthood in general. The main difference was for the healthcare. There was the PPO version and the HMO. One of them was more expensive than the other. So my initial reaction was to get the cheapest one. I was like, I'm totally getting the cheapest one. Like, why would I pay more for this than I actually need? And so, but I also wanted to know, like, why was one more expensive than the other? I found out that, you know, PPO, like one of the main differences with that one is that you can go to a specialist, like without getting a referral. And so I was like, oh, that's really cool. And you have the flexibility to kind of choose any of your doctors. So if that was important to you, like, oh, you have a doctor that you really wanted to go to, that you, I don't know, like your childhood doctor or whatever, you could keep that doctor, even if it was out of network, it might cost a little bit more, but just to have that option. And then the HMO was a little bit different because they had lower fees, lower premiums, which premium, I found out what that meant, is the amount of money that you pay each month to have insurance all these words. And so I found out what that meant. It had lower premium. Also that they only have like a select network of doctors. So the HMO was like, okay, these are the doctors that we work with. And if you decide to like go outside of the network, then it would, you might have to pay for the entire cost of their procedure. And you also would have to be referred to a specialist. And so those were like the main differences between the two. And just like, With some HMO plans, it was like you didn't have a deductible if you went to certain doctors and there was like less of a lag time between the doctor and your insurance because they were already like working together so closely. And so those are the major differences that I found. I ended up going with the HMO because I honestly don't go to the doctor that much and it just didn't, I didn't care. But I could see like people who have different circumstances would choose one versus the other, but that's like what I found, like an gist of what I found. You mentioned deductibles. And I know that if you're looking at a list of different insurance plans, how do you decide if you want to go with like a no deductible and pay more every month or, or a higher deductible and pay less every month? Yeah. So the first thing I had to do was figure out what deductible meant because didn't know what that word meant at all. Like deductible, don't get it. Yeah. And so that's like the amount that you have to pay before your insurance will kick in. And so that's really important if you aren't as healthy. Maybe you have a situation where you have to go to the doctor more often. You know that you're going to be going. Well, what I found is that like you want the deductible to be lower because you have lower out-of-pocket costs. For me, in my situation, I only go to the doctor really to get checkups. I was less concerned about the deductible and more concerned about the premium, which is, like I said, the amount that I pay each month. And so it's kind of a balance. And then there's also this other word, like out-of-pocket maximum, which is kind of similar to deductible. I spent a while trying to figure out what the difference was between those two. I was like, don't get it. And so the out-of-pocket maximum was like the total amount of money that you can expect to pay in like a year of insurance. That's a really important number because, like I said, if you do have a situation where you have an emergency situation or you go to the doctor more often, you want to know, like, if the world comes crashing down, the most I'll have to pay is this much. The number is also, like, really important that I found. What about going without insurance? I mean, some people feel that they're they're healthy. They never need to visit a doctor, especially if they're they're young. Is there any reason besides the idea that, well... You never know when you're going to have a catastrophe. 
that, you know, people should get insurance, even if they're healthy. That was the thing that also was happening to me. So when I was graduating, you know, I was fortunate to go like I was 23 and I was going to a job that had like really good health insurance. But I also had friends who were graduating who did not have the option of staying on their parents, but also like could not afford a health insurance. It was tough because I had like a friend, she was in a situation where she didn't have health insurance and then she got sick and she had to literally like pay out of pocket. And it was a lot of money. It's really kind of, I mean, I feel like it's a gamble. It's like, you have to know yourself. If you can't afford the premium, there are other creative ways to do things. So there's like different urgent care facilities that tend to be cheaper. You can, if you are paying cash for services, a lot of times you can like negotiate the price with like your doctor or dentist. Um, they'll, pro- they'll work with you. There are also like uninsured benefits that you can get if you go to certain doctors, like clinics. There's different things that you can do, but it definitely is like harder to plan for a catastrophe because going to the emergency room is very, very expensive. Just like if you get in the truck, it'll cost you a lot of money. And so just like a lot of preemptive stuff, too. So another thing that I cared way more about once I got out of school was like brushing and flossing my teeth. So I was like, oh, this is important because cavities are expensive. And that was my motivation for like doing stuff like that. I mean, like I should eat vegetables and not pizza every day because if I get sick, it's going to cost me a lot of money. And so just doing some of those preemptive things will also like help if you are in a situation where you can't necessarily afford health insurance right now. Yeah. And I've seen more and more health insurance plans, uh, whether they're, you know, offered from within a company or even, you know, going to Obamacare where they do more to promote healthy lifestyle because they know it cuts back on health insurance costs over the long term. Yeah. And that's another option, too. So like the Affordable Care Act insurance on a sliding scale of your income, there are there always, as always, there's stipulations and depending on what state you're in and things like that. But that's also an option for some people as well. Like if you are in, like are making less money, they have different adjustments that you can get, uh, lower cost plans. And then also like community share plans. So if you are like a freelancer or you are entrepreneur, there are different like community groups that you can be a part of to kind of make your insurance costs less. What about a mental health? I know that's uh, that's a big factor for a lot of people. Does health insurance cover going to see a psychologist or a psychiatrist and getting mental health medication? So I found that it really just depends. Like, and you have this is one of the things that when I was like spending hours on the phone with these people, I'm like, well, what about this? Well, what about acupuncture? What about going to the chiropractor? What about like all these things? Because it's so, each plan is so different. And so the plan that I was on when I first started, it actually did cover mental health benefits. It was very limited. What I've also found is that a lot of medical plans are fairly limited in like the mental health treatments that they will cover. And so you might have, you might have to like shop around or figure out which plans. If you have something that you know, like maybe you're going to a therapist, like make sure that if you're switching insurance, that that doctor is covered or that service is covered. Because in that realm, I find that like they get a lot more picky, like, oh, this, but not that like type of thing. So you really have to be adamant about that. But yeah, I definitely use this in my first job. So it was when I had my mental situation that happened what happens during my first my first job was so i learned so many things about life and <laughs> it was a very stressful so so i graduated six months immediately after i graduated i was like okay i kind of took like a a three-month 
vacation. Like I lived in Spain for a while. I was like, oh, I'm not going to adult yet. I'm going to go move to Spain and just like hang out for a little bit because I'll never have a summer, a free summer again. Like that's how I felt anyway. I was like, once you become an adult, you don't get these things. I'm going to do it. And the company let me like push back my start date until October, which was awesome. So then I came back to America with the week before I was starting. I had moved into a new apartment in a new city. I had to buy a new car because my car broke down. Like I was driving to the store. My car broke down. Then I started that job. That was so they was like, make all these important life decisions right now. I was like, this is stressful. And then I started working for about six months and I was like, wait, this doesn't end. And so I've had internships before where it's like, you know, okay, 10 weeks internship, cool. And then I go back to college. And so around that like six month mark, I was like, this is going to be my life forever. Like, what do you mean? Like, that was really stressful. I was doing that for a while. And the role that I was in at my job, it was becoming like really demanding. So I was in like a very demanding field and I wasn't meeting expectations. Like I wasn't doing well in the job, let's be clear. And they asked me, it was something really small too. Like they asked me to like write some notes. The conversation that I was trying to write notes for, it was very complex. And so like what I was telling you before, like I'm not really good with like all the acronyms and all the like I, I talk very direct, like if I, I try to do it like that. And in corporate America, things are not always like really direct. Like people don't always say what they mean. And so I was getting really stressed out writing these notes, which seems really simple. But at the time, it kind of set me off into like a panic attack. And I had to just like excuse myself from the room and just leave. And that was really an eye opening moment for me because I was just like, this is so hard. In my mind, I was like, I went to college, you know, I got good grades, I graduated, I did everything right, and life is this hard. Why? Like, why is it so hard? And that's one of the, like, that was like, those moments really sparked me to create ADLT 101 because I was like, everybody, they just cannot just be me. And so out of, like, I was doing all this research, finding all this information, I was like, I'm not the first person to have graduated and gone to corporate America and had these experiences there like there should be more resources for people like there should be more instruction manuals that are not filled with jargon and legal terms that I have to sift through when everybody is going through this like everybody's getting health insurance everybody's but like majority of people are buying a car you know getting a new apartment the stuff shouldn't be hard and so that kind of like sparked me to start this whole business because I was I had that moment where I had to just take some step and then I had a you know I went to see a mental, uh, mental health professional it happened to be covered through my job, which was really nice and kind of helped me put some things in perspective. But that was scary. That was scary. I never had a mental health issue up until that point. And having that was very, very scary for me. Yeah, you get there. And I think a lot of the time we have this idea that these issues are like we were saying before, like we're the only one who has them. We feel like nobody else is dealing with them. And so it's really hard for us to move forward. You know, I think it's really great too that you were able to do it through work because a lot of the time, you know, we don't have those, like a lot, you know, we don't have access to those kinds of health plans that allow us those resources. So um, if you can't access those resources, what are some of the things that you can do? Like, what are some ways to get the help and the healthcare that you need when you can't necessarily like access <laughs> like an expensive, right. like, like if a plan is expensive? Um, I mean, you mentioned, I mean, we did mention like there are definitely ways you can do it through healthcare.gov, December 15, 2017. <laughs> so if right. you're watching today, you've got until tomorrow to get it done. Um, <laughs> 
but yeah, but what are some of the other resources that you can turn to? As far as mental health options, there are also low-cost community, oh, the community therapists. There's websites out there where you can get low-cost sessions from anywhere from like $20 to $40, as opposed to a couple hundred dollars for a more traditional um, plan, which is which are great. And there are also some other like more non-traditional options where you can like text a therapist or, you know, have something where you email them, which is maybe you don't go to the office and like sit on the couch, but you can still have someone to talk to if you are having like a mental health situation, which won't cost as much money if you don't have health care or something like that. And then also like some self-care things that I do to kind of prevent myself from having another one of these panic attacks is like, I... <laughs> I do a lot of low lighting. If I find myself getting really stressed out, I have music that I'll play or I'm really big on like aromatherapy. So I have like a diffuser, doing yoga, and just like taking a break sometimes. Like sometimes I just need to take a break and I'll allow myself to have the moment. So a long time ago, I forgot who told me this, but this lady, she was like, you have like 30 minutes. So she was saying like, if you have a crisis or anything, which I have a lot, <laughs> like mini crisis. So like, you have like 30 minutes to kind of deal with it, like accept that you're feeling like this, like, okay, this is stressful, you're annoyed, whatever else. And then after that, you have to, everything that you do has to be productive. Like, okay, this happened, now what? And so you give yourself, you know, it's your time to adjust to whatever has happened. And then you have to figure out, you know, 10 like action items to move forward. And so I've been doing that. And that's really been helpful um, to kind of prevent myself from getting to that edge again. Because like, I don't know, like I, said, I didn't have this when I was younger or in school, just like now there's life just seems so much more real. So I have to do things to just take some steps back sometimes. Because I don't work for a company. Well, Miranda does now, but for a while she didn't either. I find my insurance through healthcare.gov or through Obamacare, the ACA plans. What is the process that someone needs to go through in order to sign up for health insurance? I've actually walked a couple of people through going through Affordable Care Act or Obamacare. And it is a matter. So if you're going through that site, what you're going to have to do is like it's based off your income. So you kind of estimate what you think you'll make in the year. And so that can be easier said than done if you have like you're a freelancer and you don't know what's going to happen. But if something changes, you can report back to them and say, hey, this is less, this is more. Because at the end of the year, like they reconcile how much you said you were going to make and how much you actually made. And you might owe more money or get money back in a refund. So they kind of do that. So that part can be a little tricky, but once you figure out an estimate, like, or if you do have more steady income, it's easier to give an accurate estimate. You can use like your last year's tax returns. Like once you fill out your, you know, your personal information, like your address, contact information, um, in this case, your income, you go in and there's like all these options. And so there'll be different options based off of your state. So I live in Georgia. And so you'll be like Georgia peach care plans or like there will be some Aetna plans, some signal plans. It just depends. And you can compare those things that I was talking about earlier. So knowing yourself and your it's so personal because you know how often you go to the doctor, you know, you know, if you are maybe you're having a baby this year, maybe you are planning on all these other things that you have to factor in. And so you can look at that. And some of the key things that you like look at when you're selecting insurance is like the cost of the premium. So that's the amount of money that you pay each month, your out-of-pocket maximum, 
to how much overall in like a year of insurance, the maximum that you can pay. And so I always feel like the balance between those is deciding, is it worth more to you to pay less monthly or less overall in a year? What tends to be the answer for folks is if you are healthier or you only go to the doctor like once a year or so for checkups and things, then okay, I wanna pay a lower premium um, as opposed to an out-of-pocket maximum because I know I'm not going to use that much. So I'd rather pay lower. Or if your income is lower, you just can't afford it. You also have this option. So even if your out-of-pocket maximum was like $6,000, you'll be covered if you have like a tragic accident. You, you won't be paying hundreds of thousands. The max you could pay is six. And so you kind of have to weigh, weigh those options. Everybody's risk tolerance is different too. So maybe some people like, I want to be more sure, so you'll pay more. It's, it's just a balance. And so you can kind of compare and contrast plans. Like, okay, I want to compare the price of this plan to the other one and really look at what's covered in this plan versus the other. Sometimes they'll cover a percentage of your bill um, as opposed to a copay. Like, okay, maybe we'll cover 50% of all of your regular medical expenses. And they, they list them out generally. But if you have a specific instance, you might want to call because there's nothing worse than like getting a surprise bill. That's very annoying. Things you can look to to compare. It's like kind of like shopping around like you would for anything else. Um, just like being like being informed, knowing what you're looking at. And if you have questions, you call somebody, research, figure it out. Because like I said, the worst thing is like getting those surprise bills. I hate surprise bills. I've gotten a couple and I don't want to get any more. <laughs> There's always surprise bills. I mean, oh. you know, <laughs> I, you think you have everything covered and, you know, say you go to the hospital Maybe it's surgery that you need, whatever it happens to be. You go to the hospital, you think you take care of everything that you have to pay for right there, and then you get, oh, wait, here's a bill for the anesthesiologist. Oh, here's a bill from the person who came in to clean your bathroom while you were staying there. I mean, you know, there's, there's just all these bills that keep coming. And is, is there any way to, you know, kind of dick that or, or you just kind of have to go along with it? I have found even with me doing all this research and asking like all these questions, there are just still some flaws in the system. But I'm very, very adamant about knowing what I will be charged before I do a service. So, for example, like this year, I was doing my regular checkup, super regular, like I'm not sick just coming in annually, like y'all say I should. And the person who was working at the insurance desk was saying I had to pay a copay. And I was like, well, see, the thing about that is I read right here, I don't have to, and y'all are in network, so I shouldn't be paying a copay. She was like, no, you have to pay a copay. So right there, I called my insurance company and I was like, do I have to pay a copay? They said, no. I was like, well, bet. So you can talk to this lady right here and tell her that I don't have to pay a copay. And she, would, she refused to talk to them. And she said, you have to pay a copay. I was like, this is ridiculous. So she was like, well, if we submit your explanation of benefits, which is another term, like EOB, explanation of benefits, which basically outlines all of the services that you received and how much it would cost if you didn't have insurance and like how much you would be required to pay. So that thing. So she was like, okay, well, if we get send this to your insurance company and they pay the whole bill, we'll refund you your copay. I was like, okay, whatever. So at that point, I was like really frustrated because I had called the insurance company, waited through their machine, you know, waited to talk to someone, whatever. I was just ready to do my checkup. I was annoyed. And so I did it. I paid the copay. Okay. I got my explanation of benefits and I saw it, read it. So I was like, okay, well, I see that you got reimbursed. I called them back. 
my doctor was like, well, I see that you got reimbursed for the entire cost, like I thought. Can you send me my copay back? And they sent me a check back. But the thing about that is, like, if I had not been that adamant, like, they were just going to take my money. They were just going to take my copay unnecessarily. So that's why I'm saying, like, you really have to know what's going on because, like, nobody's really on your side. It's it's very frustrating, but I really feel like having the knowledge of, like, what these things mean and what to expect really empowers you as a consumer because of just so many things. And like I said, I fight very hard not to have any surprise bills. Like, I'm like, okay, well, how much does this cost? No, you can't tell me. Well, let's, I'll get my insurance company on the phone right now and you can talk to them and let me know. So I'm that person. And sometimes it's annoying, like whatever, but it just protects me. Um, so I don't, I can plan and budget accordingly for what other things that I have going on. So that's what I do to prevent some of that ambiguity in the process. Yeah. I mean, this is a great example of advocating for yourself, which is such a big part of you know, being an adult and, you know, you don't have your parents who are going to get on the phone and fight for you. You have to have the knowledge, you have to do the research and be ready to speak up against, you know, some people who might not put in the effort to see what they really should be charging you uh, or not charge you. Yeah, it's like very important because people will take your money and not care. They really will. Well, you just be mad. Like, you really have to be like, what you're not going to do is tell me lies because I've already talked to the insurance company. Yeah. And I think that's a really good point that you do need to like look in and see, you know, what it covers and also know the law. I mean, a lot of people don't realize like what you were talking about, like your preventative care visit, everybody gets one of those free. That's the law. (laughs) We get one of those every year and you should never have to pay for that. And so, you know, understanding that like you did, you know, is really key there where you were just like, no, I don't owe this copay. And then I love that you like got your explanation of benefits and then you called them and you're like, now you're going to send me a check because I bet if you didn't call them, they were just going to let it slide. (laughs) I doubt very highly that they would have just sent you the check out of the goodness of their heart. Absolutely not. So yeah, I'm definitely a big fan for advocating for yourself, like knowing what's going on and don't just be signing up for things because other institutions are not like looking out for you. Like I said, you don't have your mom, like you have to really go out and do it. Like that's the hardest, that's one of the hardest things about adulting is like, I have to understand this and then be able to act on my behalf when I know things are wrong. Like I've had so many things, like even a couple of weeks ago, like I got a tax bill from my state saying I owe saying I owe them six hundred some dollars. And so I'm like, what are you talking about? I was like, here's the things, the documents that I submitted. Like I talked to my accountant who does my taxes every year. And I was like, oh, can you help me understand what this means? And he was like, oh, no, they just didn't read your like corrected W-2. And so I called them, waited on the phone for over an hour. And they're like, oh, actually, we owe you six hundred dollars. Really? <laughs> like... <laughs> Stuff like that, like this is the thing that happened to me. I don't know if it happened to anybody else in the world, but these are the things that happened in my life. So I'm like, if I didn't ask any questions, I would have just paid them the 600 some dollars. But in actuality, you owe me money. I was like, this is crazy. Yeah, yeah. One of the tools that I really like and that I've used in the past is the health savings account. It's one of those things that, like you were talking about, works really well if you have if you don't have a lot of healthcare expenses and you get that higher deductible with the lower premium and you can kind of build up an emergency fund to take care of things because you will have to pay out of pocket for a lot of stuff. But the health savings account can be one way to help you like save up for it. And one of the the strategies I used when I first started one was I was like, okay, it costs 550 bucks 
a month for me to have regular health insurance. <laughs> but if I get if I get this high deductible plan, it'll cost me three hundred bucks a month. And you know, my family uh, doesn't use you know healthcare a lot. Like my then husband went once a year for a checkup. I went once a year for my checkup. My son would go for a checkup and his immunizations, and then like maybe he'd be sick once or twice. And so we we're like, well, we don't use it very much. We don't have any chronic conditions. And so what I did was I was like, well, we'll save two hundred and fifty dollars a month. So I'm going to take that 250 bucks a month and put it into the health savings account. And that's great because you get a tax deduction for it and it grows tax free. So, you know, that's definitely something to look into if you have the means to do that, which you kind of have to get to that point. Not everybody has that opportunity. Yeah, I really like those two. So I, I did have a, um, I have a health savings account. And then with the job that I had at the time, they actually matched money. So up to, yeah, so they would actually, I don't think it was a match. It just gave you $500 on it. So I had the high deductible plan because like I said, I wasn't going that much. And then I would have like basically a free $500 on my HSA. So I could use that if I did have a copay or if I did have any other bills. So it was actually, it was a really good plan. So like I said, that was a good option. And then those other things that you said as well, like some people even use it for like retirement planning, like you can get real creative with this thing. And so the HSA is definitely something to look into um, as well. And not to be confused with like the, the flexible flex savings account, because I was like, oh, that's something different. It sounds really similar. And I had to figure that out that that was different. So. So what are the differences? What's a flex savings account? So with the flexible savings account, you put money into it, but at the end of the year, it goes away, which is a big deal because with the HSA, like she was saying, you can put it in the HSA account and invest it in some basic investments and have it grow tax-free. Whereas with the flex savings account, you only have the ability to put the money in and it will go away after that first year. And so you have to use it up. So if you aren't going to be using that money, on doing that calendar year or the insurance year, then you wouldn't want to put it on there. What about the uh, the penalty for not having health insurance? Is that still something that's happening? Uh, isn't it something that people have to be aware of? So as far as my knowledge, I believe that it is still happening for folk. Um, there are a lot of laws and stipulations like changing and happening right now. That was like one of the objections that people really had to the Affordable Care Act. It depends on, it's like based off of certain things about you. So like your income and stuff like that. And you can also apply for a hardship to say like, hey, you know, maybe you have like a death in the family or you're unemployed or something like that to be exempt from it. So there are kind of ways around it, but you have to like know your situation and then kind of like be an advocate for yourself. So they're not going to look at your life and say, oh, you qualify for a hardship. You have to ask like, okay, this is what happened or this is my income and like let somebody know. Um, so you can get exempt in certain cases. So it just it really just depends on, you know, your your circumstance. All right. Anything else that people should know as they're trying to figure out what plan they're going to sign up for for next year? I would say be aware of yourself and like know what you're shopping for, like understand all the terms. So if you're looking at a policy, like I said, look at the out-of-pocket maximum, you know, co-pays and compare like your co-insurance, like if they're saying they're going to pay a percentage of a bill versus a copay option, like consider that because a percentage may sound fine now until it's like $500 and you're like, wow, 50%, I still owe $250 as opposed to having a lower copay. Like really kind of take some time and learn what you're doing because most people are going to have to have health insurance for like the rest of their life. And so you really want to be like an informed consumer. Like don't just let people 
push you into things or sign up for something that you don't understand. Like um, a lot of enrollment periods, you have like a, a month or at least a couple of weeks to make a decision. So it's not something that you have to do immediately. So you have time to kind of call and it's worth it. Sometimes you find yourself just doing stuff like, oh, I need this checking off the box. But this is worth investing the time. Like this is worth figuring out how to do it, figuring out, you know, what's best for you. If you are somebody who uses the doctor more often, like making sure that your doctor is in network. Um, If you do need to see a specialist and that's really important to you, like making sure that you don't have to go to a primary care physician before getting that referral is really important. Another thing for like dental insurance, which I was having, like a lot of plans don't cover adult dental. And so you're like, I have this insurance. Like, so I got Invisalign a couple years ago and I had to make sure like, is this covered for me? Because I'm an adult now. And I think for most policies, anybody over 19 is considered to be an adult. So like knowing what's covered for you versus a child, like there's a lot of nuances to this process, but I would say to somebody who's like looking to make a selection, like please take the time and like investing in yourself, investing in your future, like know what's going on and it will just empower you for years to come. That's great. And so where can people find you online? How do we find ADLT 101? Well, you can find me at ADLT101.com. Um, also on all social medias, like ADLT underscore 101. So that's like Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, backslash ADLT101. So that's where you can find me. Send me a message. Let me know if you have any questions because I, I really try to explain stuff in a very, like the way I would like somebody to talk to me. Great. I'm sure if anyone in our audience has any questions, they can just uh, check out your site and reach out to you. And uh, yeah, we're definitely glad that you're here today to walk us through this process, uh, which is going on right now. Open enrollment's happening. Um, Obamacare, ACA enrollment is happening, at least as we're recording this live. So this is, yeah. this is very important to look at right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the deadline is December 15th. So yeah. Thank you again for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you all so much for having me. I appreciate it. If you have any questions about uh, anything adulting wise, uh, come to adulting.tv slash ask, and you can go to our Facebook group, hashtag adulting community. Uh, you can take a look, get involved in some of the discussions there and leave any questions that you might have and get some support from our community as well. And until next time, remember to behave like a grown up. Thank you for listening to adulting. Find resources for this episode or download other episodes at adulting.tv.